Average Joe travels the California Inscape. Season 7, Dummies, Dolls, and Detectives. Episode 5, Picnic Time for Mannequins. Story conceived by Penguin Pete. Written by Clyde Wren. Featuring the vocal stylings of This Is Signal, with Asher Ephraim as Spanky, and the InScape theme by Ignore That Door. The entrance to Bullets was two glass doors, each one with two large panes of glass, one on the top half of the door, the other on the bottom. The door on the left had its lower pane shattered with broken glass scattered about the inside of the store. He must have shot his way in here. Let's go. I squatted and eased into the darkened cathedral of Western economic excellence. Cooper did the same, and Spanky just walked in behind us like he was going to order a hot dog and a Coke. Anne paused and touched the seam between the two doors. She whispered an unidentifiable word. The deadbolt disengaged, metal gliding across metal, before she grabbed the handle, opened the door, and walked in. Upright. I won't bow to this little tyrant. Let's ferret him out so he can get what he deserves. Hearing Anne bring a little spite to bear inspired me. It was no small comfort having it directed towards someone other than me. We approached the first display, a counter that smelled of perfume and glittered in the stripes of light from the street lamps outside. There were bits of jewelry and cut glass bottles in and on the transparent display cases. Spanky, go ahead. See if you can get him to reveal himself. Spanky put a hand on his hip and almost mirrored the surrounding mannequins in the distant shadows. They modeled ladies' intimate wear, still and lifeless. Not unlike my ex-wife. I'm not here to be a living mind detector, if you please. We can split up and search for the bastard, but I'm not going first. In his way, Spanky had a point. We do want to act in a clandestine manner, Anne. Maybe sending in the one who moves like an arthritic ox is not our best strategy. Spanky began to protest, but thought better of it. Ha. Huh. I concede, Joe. You take him that way. Agent Cooper and I will search this half of the store. We'll convene at the escalators in the back. We parted, and Spanky followed me into the shadows along one side of the perfume counter. I pulled my heater from its holster inside my jacket, and whispered over my shoulder to Spanky. I'd rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a warren. I'd rather be a patron with a plate of bangers in front of me. And a frothy pint. We crept into the heart of women's wear. Dresses and handbags all around. A single rack of pants for ladies who were of such a mind. There was movement in my periphery. I turned to see a woman approaching, her curves apparent in the dim light. She was dressed for bed, and maybe something extra. Very much unlike my ex-wife. Ma'am, it's not safe here. There is a dangerous fugitive in the mall. 
She rapidly advanced, and when she was close enough, I saw the faceless head of a bullock's mannequin upon us. I spun away from her charge, but Spanky absorbed the full force of a stiff blow that ah. she had intended for me. He was on his back, rubbing the side of his face where he had been hit by her wooden hand. I punched the mannequin in what would have been its shoulder blade, separating its arm from its body. The brassiere fell mostly off as the mannequin skidded across the floor on its back. Spanky grabbed a leg and tore it from the mannequin's torso. It lay motionless as we examined the leg. The place where the thigh joined the buttock told a story. There was Carson's tattoo, a perversion of old glory, stripes in the small blue field, stars covering the rest of the banner. Bugsy Moonshine was using Carson's work to bring these mannequins to life to use them against us and anyone else he deemed enemies. I looked to the naked mannequin, then to the tattooed half-buttock, booby-trapped, er, buttock-trapped anyway. Keep your eyes open, Spanky. Moonshine can use these to turn anything into a soldier. We continued through the store and were nearing the escalators when the unmistakable taka-taka-taka of automatic gunfire filled the air. Anne cried out from the shadows. Joe! Spanky! Are you okay? None of you is gonna be okay when I'm done! Eat like you pigs! <laughs> Nothing's gonna stop me now! You're mine! You're on every single one of you! Bullets covered the store again. The sounds of broken glass and shattered merchandise accompanied. We all heard Bugsy climb the unmoving escalator to the next floor. Cooper shouted to us. He's up. Break for the escalator. Spanky and I rushed to the back of the ground floor where the escalators were. Just quiet, still stairs now. Cooper and Anne were there. She was sitting on the floor with Cooper crouched beside her. He shot me. A little. He shot me a little. That little. He shot me a little bit. Her breathing was labored, and I watched blood run from under the sleeve of her blouse, down her arm, and to the floor where it began to pool. The pooling liquid reminded me of something from nearly a decade prior. When I was stationed in Hawaii during the service, I had been sent into the village around five miles from base. Back then, I was known as G.I. Joe, at least by the locals. This despite my recent transfer to Signal's intelligence, infantry having thankfully been deemed too demanding for, and I quote, a recruit of my particular particularities. Having been determined the most affable of the assorted servicemen, the responsibility for executing errands in the nearby town had fallen to me. That evening, I was sent out to pick up a case of Okulohau for the officer's dance. All went well until my return when I distracted the jeep driver with a clever pun and he accidentally swerved the vehicle onto a large rock. We were ejected, landing a bit battered, the driver much more so than myself. I rose, dusted off my uniform, and found the driver still laughing with half the case of booze pooling along his sleeve. The CEOs were not at all pleased with the incident. I was awash and too much to express in any precise way. It was sorrow, terror, 
confusion, and rage. What? Let's get her out of here. Cooper, let's go. Cooper shook his head. He's too close, Joe. I'll stay here and take care of Miss Darkseid. Go get him. Nothing I could say to this civic automaton would change his position. His objective was at hand, and no price was too great to achieve it. I hated him, yet was without recourse. How bad is it? The pool of blood under Anne's porcelain hand was growing. I've seen worse. Unconvinced, I grabbed Spanky's sleeve and rushed up the escalator. We reached the top, and the golden ghost lighting of Bullock's revealed menswear in one direction, sporting goods in the other. We crept past a display of rugby jerseys and a mannequin wearing shoulder pads and a football helmet. Another one stood ready to bat in a baseball uniform, incongruously complete with a catcher's vest, bat cocked over its shoulder. That didn't make any sense. Catchers don't wear the vest when they hit. Anyway, there was no sign of moonshine here. We circled back through menswear and entered housewares. Pots and pans hung over a fake stove. A mannequin wearing a chef's hat held a spatula in one hand and welcomed us to housewares with his other arm extended in frozen, friendly salutation. His ascot was a fantastic yellow, the yellow of a canary maitre d'. I don't care for this restaurant a damn bit. Shots rang out again. Their origin was somewhere behind us, back in sporting goods. I snatched a cast iron skillet from the rack above the fake stove and held it in front of us as we ducked. Two of the Tommy gun bullets hit the pan with a deafening clang and tore it from my hand. Hey, you girl scouts, let me help you with the campfire. Something hit the floor not far from where we crouched. Something metal. It grew louder as it rolled toward us. Just before the next gunshot, I saw the green canister come into view, ten feet in front of me. It rolled to a stop, and I studied the red letters across it. Coleman. Bugsy's bullets found their target, and we were blinded by the explosion. The force of the propane canister flung me and Spanky across the floor. My ears rang, and as the fake kitchen burned, I looked up to see a service door on the other side of the showroom closing. Bugsy was in the stairwell. Come on, pal, I got a bead on him. Spanky groaned, but he got up, and we ran around the fire toward the door where Moonshine had disappeared. As we closed the distance, we were intercepted by two figures. A mannequin football player, and another one with a baseball bat. Damn it, Joe! He's got as many toadies as he has tattoos! He might have toadies, but I got slugs. I fired one off at the football player. It cost him an arm, but it didn't seem to bother him much. He just kept charging us. The baseball player also ran toward us, swinging wildly, like an afflicted Stan Musial. I fired one at him, too. He took it to the chest and continued his advance. Pretty good catcher's vest, I guess. Spanky, run right at them. When they're on top of you, slide on your backside between them. Split them. 
I don't think they're too smart. When they turn around, I'll handle it. You'll handle it. With that. He pointed to my heater. Yeah, I'll saw them off. What if you saw me off? By saw them off, I mean take out their legs. I wouldn't saw you off if I miss. I'd brain you. Spanky looked over my shoulder like there might be another solution in that direction. Go, Spanky! Now! Fogabala! Spanky ran toward our attackers and dove headlong between them, sliding across the polished floor of bullocks on his belly. They turned to finish him. I fired first at the batting catcher, relieving him of his left leg. He fell to the floor, and the bat escaped his stiff fingers. The football player was next. With two shots, I reduced him to an armored torso, clawing at the tile with his one remaining limb, still trying to reach Spanky. Once I hopped over the mannequin scraps, Spanky and I went through the door to the stairwell where Bugsy had fled. There were stairs leading up and down in the hum of flickering fluorescent lights. Moonshine could have gone either way. I looked up the flight going up. Spanky looked down the other one before we switched our positions and did the same again. We heard a door close above us. The latch clacked into place. Spanky and I hustled up two flights of stairs until we reached the end of the stairwell and a door. I pushed the crash bar with the bottom of my foot and the air outside poured over us. This, dramatically enough, was the roof. We scanned the rooftop, a maze of ductwork and exhaust machinery. Bugsy Moonshine was nowhere in sight. We moved to the front of the building and looked over the edge. Far below, the pavement cooled, as indifferent to our struggles as the occasional passing pedestrian. Our clothes and hair were charred by the propane explosion, and somewhere downstairs, Anne was probably still bleeding. Spanky tripped and turned to fall on his hip. Hey, what gives? A bugsy dummy held Spanky's ankle. Another one crawled from beneath a metal duct behind us. Another three dropped from above. The sound of plastic shoes was all around us as every shadow produced dummies. In seconds, they were on top of us. Spanky dispatched a few with his fists. I pulled away from several of them, but my pistol escaped me in the kerfuffle. Once I lost my footing, I was on my back next to Spanky, each of us held still by dozens of dummies. Bugsy Moonshine approached from his hiding place, pleased and unable to contain his diabolical giggling. <laughs> it's a real shame, ain't it? I put all this together and you didn't even get to see how nice it turns out. It's cake from here on out, and I don't even need that dirty rat Kaisen anymore. There was something in the little man's face, in his eyes, behind them even. Something I could only identify as an unquenchable thirst for blood. You don't have to kill us, Bugsy. There has to be another way. Oh, I ain't gonna kill you, you dirty rats. But you ain't gonna leave here alive, neither. Hey, Chef Boyardee, get over here. Get cooking. 
The mannequin from Housewares appeared, the white hat on its head badly burnt. His featureless face was black from the explosion, and the spatula he held before had been replaced with a chef's knife. A knife longer than a man's forearm. Knowing bullocks don't carry any junk, I was confident the blade would be razor sharp. The chef trundled toward us with the knife above his head. We struggled to escape our captors, but their combined force was too much to overcome. My final thoughts would be weighing the difference between dying by the blade of a mannequin chef and dying by the gun of a small fry gangster. Neither of them appealed to me. The chef was close enough to plunge the knife into whichever of us he chose, but the mannequin froze. Its arms twitched, and in the dim light there on the roof, I saw sprigs of vegetation surface from beneath its arms. There were minuscule branches and leaves growing from the hollows of the thing's knees, then from its neck. The chef fell over and in a moment was consumed by branches, leaves, and bark. The mannequin had become what looked like a poorly manicured boxwood. Shots came from behind Bugsy and the boxwood. In the muzzle flash, I saw Cooper and Anne in stroboscopic tableau. Cooper firing his service weapon, Anne leaning against him with her open hand in front of her, mouthing the words to a spell. A wonderful, genius, life-saving spell. Bugsy dropped like a sack of russets. He was still and silent. It's easy to be a tough guy until you take a few slugs. The tension in our dummy captors' bodies vanished. They had reverted to harmless stage props. From the street below, we heard sirens. When I stood up from the pile of dummies, I saw the aura of swirling red and blue lights climb up to us at the top of the building. Help was here, and would survive her beach vacation. I went over to her, put an arm around her to relieve Cooper. Clean up on aisle five. For Pete's sake, Cooper, it's not a greengrocer's. I thought it would be funny. He's right, Agent Cooper. We have... Comic relief, cover. Know your role. We certainly did. We had it all covered that night, but just barely. All that remained was the absolute best part of any assignment. Speaking of your role, Agent Cooper, I suppose we should settle up. <laughs>